to Justice Losers, a podcast where we discuss entertainment media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston. Joining us always with my delightful co-host, Matt. Matt, Matt, what should people do? Like, subscribe, and start a fight in the comments. If we uh say something wrong on here, fight us. Sorry, no, I'm just like I got that entire intro out perfectly for the first time <laughs> since episode 150. <laughs> I'm just happy with myself. We'll just dwell on that for a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, literally uh, we... the little like bare minimum. Who's that voice? Who's this mysterious stranger? <laughs> oh, great visual gag on the part that's not going to be put in video form. Nah, this will probably be video form, so we can yeah, introduce it's true. Him. We can introduce him. I'm I'm Andy. Hello, Andrew's back. Uh, I think this is the first time you've been on since uh, we did the restart. I think we did a test video with me in it, but writer strike. We did a test video, but we didn't. Right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We didn't publish that so one. This is the first time you're on. You're this on the first camera. time you get to see yeah. a stupid face. This is what Andrew looks oh, like. Thank you, Matt. That you're welcome. Hurt my I'm just gonna feelings. let them bond over there. They're on the other side of the room from me, and I'm just gonna. Yeah, dude. COVID zone. Matt. Preston. What you been up to? Things. Stuff. Movies. Well, a couple of movies. Uh, I finally watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, why'd you do that? Because I'd seen the regular one in Vegas. When did you watch that? Two days ago. I'll let it slide. You watched it on Thanksgiving? Yeah. Thanksgiving night after dinner. Yeah, it's All after right. Thanksgiving dinner, it's Christmas now. Fair That's enough. a great movie. You know, my grandpa used to be able to quote every line in that whole movie. That's a, he loved it. Wow. Yeah. I didn't love it. I thought it was reasonably enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, he's old. <laughs> <laughs> when did it come out? Uh, that was like... That one was probably... 80s, wasn't it? The original is 80s. I think christmas was probably 90s which one's chevy chase is that chevy chase yeah, he's, chevy he's chase. in all he's of them he's in all of them yeah he gets increasingly older and yeah. they replace the the kids in all of them because he's just like <laughs> um, in that one one of the kids is actually on uh um uh big bang theory which no one cares about oh what which one the the christmas one the the, the which kid the the boy kid which who oh. does he play I don't know. I don't watch Big Bang Theory. It's offensive. He's just on Big Bang Theory, or he's actually one of the He's one of the main guys. Oh. Oh. Yeah. All right, good for him. Went from National Lampoon to Big Bang Bang Theory. Theory. That That feels like a lateral move, but Mm. at least he's employed. I'm going to call it a step down. Yeah, it's a step down. I saw this. My my professor, one of my professors way back when I was Mm. in college. Mm, That made me sound old. Uh, had a joke that he put up on the screen in statistics where it was a Venn diagram of, uh, or it was a chart of like for and by smart people and dumb people or about, sorry, for and about dumb people and smart people. Mm-hmm. And it's arrested development is for smart people about dumb people. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, uh, Kardashians is about dumb people for dumb people. Uh, Nova is for smart people about smart people, and Big Bang Theory is for dumb people about smart people. And I loved that graphic, and I was like, "Yeah, that, that's 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 accurate. right." <laughs> Fair, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yep. Anyway, National Lampoon, <laughs> National Lampoon, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, there's some classic and iconic moments, but I mean, there's just not much to it. Yeah, it's just kind of fun. There's the uh, joy to the world lights scene. Yep, 
Um, that's the only one i know of there's the one where cat gets incinerated yeah oh god what when they yeah. go sledding and like they put crisco on his sled oh and yeah and he like stuff like a bolt of lightning an and <laughs> uh, and then there's the the yuppie neighbors that um he just keeps breaking everything that sounds like a fun movie to watch it's kind of fun yeah right. it's a good movie yeah it's fun it's nothing to it it's just right. kind of yeah i should watch it at some point yeah um, and then I watched uh, that other Christmas classic, Godfather. Ooh. Oh. Yeah. What a... Did you watch them back to back? No, I watched Godfather last night. Okay. I was like, <laughs> what a tone shift for the night. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a lot of movie in one night right I there. I would. I'd be yeah. pushing five hours of movie. Watching Godfather with anything is just a lot of movie for one night. Uh, yeah. Watching Godfather is a lot of movie for one night. But it's like... <laughs> just at that threshold it's it hasn't quite broached the threshold of being too much why is that a th- i think godfather's actually weirdly a thanksgiving movie to me kind of harkening back to last week huh. because it was always played either before or around or after the macy's thanksgiving day parade yeah the they they run the trilogy on i don't know amc i think it was amc and it was always weird have. to me but i always like that was my exposure to godfather when i was a kid and so Thanksgiving always included cinnamon rolls, which I am disappointed I did not bring back this year. Um, I'll forgive you one day. <laughs> yeah, I was so distracted on cooking nine other simultaneous dishes <laughs> that I forgot cinnamon rolls. I want... am a trash Thanksgiving host. Exactly. I was going to say, my what you've been up to is just I had an awful Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was just it was always Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, which I never gave a shit about. There was uh, cinnamon rolls, which I cared so much about, and I doesn't everyone really only ever cared about cinnamon rolls on Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. See, um, my and family then, did it on Christmas. So uh, that's when I think of cinnamon yeah. See, Christmas and New Year's was always uh, kuchen for me. It's a custard cake, German custard cake. Ooh, you've tried it, didn't you? My parents I gave me a couple so. of them. I think so. Yeah, mm. it's cool. Where did this Godfather? Godfather. <laughs> What's Godfather about now? <laughs> you know, fun fact about the Godfather, they're not actually related. Oh, God. Father? Why have you betrayed me in this way? Father. <laughs> Father. Oh, my God. May I have some more? <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, no, Godfather. It's, uh, it's pretty great. It's a genuine bona fide classic for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, just a dozen iconic moments. Leave the gun. Bring the cannoli. Ah, 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 ah. <laughs> I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. It's closer than I would have gotten, but yeah, still not close. <laughs> I need to stuff cotton balls in my cheeks to really yeah, achieve the effect. That's, that's how you do that. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's it's great. It's really good. It's well done. Um, it's got themes and stuff mm-hmm. and interesting characters. Um, the just the filmmaking is superb of course there's just some really gorgeous shots and just the mm-hmm. way things are blocked and placed in frame and it's just you they tell a lot of story with very little mm-hmm. um it's good it's great it's, it's actually only the second time i'd seen it and the first time i was probably too young to really appreciate all of those details so the first time i was around i was like yeah this is good but this yeah. time i was like yeah this is really good so i'm glad now i have to watch godfather 2 and not godfather 3 why not What's wrong with Godfather 3? It's bad. Don't, it doesn't exist. It's Don't a good movie. It. It's one of the Godfather movies. Therefore, it is good. By proxy. Mm, no. Look at this 
sophist over here. Yeah. What? You know what's a good movie? Transformers. That, those movies are better than Godfather, in my opinion. That's true. Yeah, like, that's true. Shia but are they LaBeouf, cinema? They are cinema. They are okay. capital F cinema. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's the grade I'd give them. <laughs> anyway, moving on. Uh, I finished Rick and Morty season four. Oh, that, they I need, forgot that that's a thing. We yeah. talked about that last week. We that talked just kind of happened. Yeah. I watched the first half last week and the second half this week. Um, it picks up. Oh, cool. um, there's a couple of good episodes in the back half there. The the vat of af- vat of acid episode is pretty solid. Um, and there was another one that I remember enjoying, but I don't remember what it was about. Mm-hmm. So, kind of speaks to it. It's yeah. the the writing still is a problem that they told them that they can use the f bomb now, and wow. the writing significantly suffers for it. Really? Yeah, because it's like Harmon's still writing it. Yeah, yeah, I think so. It's his show. Yeah, it's him and Justin Roiland, and it seems progressively more and more Justin Roiland. Yeah, as the seasons go on, I don't know. He's still credited, so okay. Um, but yeah, no, like just because every insult just becomes a how can we throw the f bomb in there four or five times, and it just kind of it like Dan Harmon <laughs> it, it fluffs things out but gives them less substance mm-hmm. and the it's just it's less interesting. So, but there's there's still some good ideas some. Good okay. stuff. Huh? So, that's cool. yeah, it's, it's all fine and good. Uh, and then I finished reading V for Vendetta. Finally. I started like three weeks ago. Yeah. It took me three weeks to read a comic. It's a big, thick, hefty comic with like little thin newspaper pages and it's dense. It's Alan Moore. He's got so many words. Get on my level. Listen, it took me six months to read one volume. It this took is you true. six months to read one volume of Hellboy, which is not a particularly dense comic. Yeah. <laughs> I'm disappointed. Got busy. I made two movies in that time. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's fair. It's valid. But anyway, uh yeah, V for Vendetta. Um the the ending is definitely better than the movie. I'll say that. It's um much less Is it playing Rise of the Valkyrie? No. Oh wait, is it Rise of the Valkyrie or is it Mountain King? What's the song that's playing in the movie? 1812 Overture. Shit. Those are the three that I was I was introduced to all three of those all at the exact same time. It's a weird trifecta. But it is. Okay. They they all it was this stupid video game called uh <laughs> Boom Boom Rocket. It was kind of like Guitar Hero but it was fireworks and it was kind of like techno versions of a whole bunch of like classical and opera songs and all of those were in the same like kind of chunk and so I was introduced to all those at the same time and I mix them up all the time. It was a free game. That was a heck of an anecdote right yeah. there. Boom, boom, rocket. Boom, boom, rocket. Okay. Anyway, uh, yeah, V for Vendetta. It's uh, It's got themes and stuff. It's a little more um, challenging than you'd expect. There's some stuff there where you kind of really got to chew on it and be like, ooh, okay, all right. Am I okay with this? Am I okay with the way things are going? Mm-hmm. Is this all just also bad? Bad things. Yeah. Glum British people. Ah, as British people are. Yeah. It's just a lot of I've been watching British The Crown. People. Oh, yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, yeah. Finished V for Vendetta. Um, I recommend it to people, but you kind of got to go in expecting something a little more literary and a little less comic booky. It's mm-hmm. a lot of words. Um, and then there's like a... The edition I have, which I presume is just kind of the common edition that's circulating now, is uh, it's got like a little essay almost from Alan Moore afterwards about how it came into being and... Um, it's just a fascinating exploration of the creative process. He's just like, yeah, no, just 
we were hacking away at these ideas and just kind of like filling in bits and pieces. And then like, as you start to see the shape of thing, ideas just flow faster and more powerfully. And I'm like, yeah, no, I get it. I hear you. Mm. I'm the same species as Alan Moore. That's a terrifying thought. I mean, I feel like that's the way that any creative yeah, process. Works. It is, but it like it humanized him. But at the same time, it's like, okay, we're doing the same thing, but he's just like so terrifyingly good at it. Yeah. So yeah, he's writing V for Vendetta. <laughs> and I think Watchmen he's just. Well, I think it's thing. just he is better at conveying it. Like that's just that's yeah. the only difference is that he's done it a lot more. Like he's, yeah. I mean, he's probably had some flops. No one ever talks about him because when you put someone's bibliography of V for Vendetta and Watchmen against whatever the hell comic strip he did in Wessex in 1962. He was on AD 2000, which is where Judge Dredd got its start. On AD 2000? AD 2000. Oh. After death of our Lord and Savior. Anno Domini. Anno Domini, you absolute doofus. (laughs) Ah, damn. Andrew, done. (laughs) Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Drugs. Dredd. Dredd. No. V for Vendetta. God, this is such a dumb bit. Our dumb. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, no. So V for Vendetta. Read that. Recommend that. Um, and then I have continued reading but have not finished Acceptance, which is the third in the Southern Reach trilogy, Annihilation, Authority, Acceptance. Um, I was wondering if there was something about stages of grief in there that I missed, but I don't think there is. Mm. I feel like we should restrict our Watch of Up twos to things that we have finished. I was just going to say, I've been reading it. It's good. Because yeah. every week me saying like I've been watching a little bit of The Crown or a little bit of New Girl. Mm-hmm. Unless like, you we have, can give like yeah. season updates, but like. Unless you have something definitive to say about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> it's good. I'll let you know when I'm done. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's just right. something I was thinking about because like I read a couple pages of Mistborn every now and then. And I'm mm-hmm. not going to talk about that every single week but i would until yep. we define this rule that <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. andrew what you been up to andrew um, discuss i have been watching one piece again i've reached episode 470 yeah what was the episode you were at before i think it was like 270 last time you were on La- maybe i don't know it's been a minute I saw you a few days ago, and you were on, like, 430-something. Yeah, I've watched a lot. Well, it's just, it's a big arc going on right now, and, like, there's a bunch of shit going on, so I can't pull myself away. But I also watched Trial of the Chicago 7. Oh, how Um, is that? It was was good. It was good. Preston has seen it now, too. We'll discuss it a little more when he does his, I guess. Oh, okay. Um... Way to leave me out, guys. Could have told me you watched it. Did you not watch? I thought you've seen it. No, I haven't seen it. Ah, nuts. Aaron Sorkin, so you know it's got that real Shakespearean. Oh yeah, the, to it. yeah. It's not his best work, in my opinion, but it's still you know it's Netflix original, which mm-hmm. is just where all these big directors are putting their poops. You know, yeah. they're soft turds, not their hard, <laughs> yeah, polished turds. Um, adequate directorial. Stop. Assertions. Stop. You're going to pry your brain coming up with stupid (laughs) AD jokes, and then you're not going to have anything to contribute to the episode. Yeah. (laughs) I've been playing some Halo. been playing some chess. Good Um, lad. Man after my own heart. You're still disappointingly bad. Jesus. Wow. 
I'm trying, dude. I'm, wow! I don't think I've played chess since like the fifth grade. You're gonna be like, you're gonna be a dad that like your kid is seven and he makes one wrong move with a knight. And you're, you're gonna, just gonna take the knight and shove it down his throat and like scream at him for being a disappointment and then an absolute disappointment. The... <sighs> <laughs> what was that comment you made, Andrew? Whenever he talks about chess, he becomes an asshole. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a that's. A, a, I'm bad at being good at things. That's fair. It is. It, it's true. Yeah. I'm just I'm good at so many though that it's kind of hard. So I'm God, just bad Andrew, at being keep myself. Talking. Um, <laughs> playing halo been playing no man's sky dude something about just launching yourself off into space and you know finding new planets and killing pirates is a lot of fun i thought that game game was terrible it was terrible and then they updated it and i didn't play matt you heard that people thought the game was terrible you never played the game no yeah no that's what they've been releasing like big updates every couple months and like i just started playing a couple months ago so i've been through like two updates but like that's how games work now you like it's a service not a it is you can't take people's initial opinions anymore because you get things like valhalla and no man's sky and anthem and destiny for god forbid Mm -hmm. like it's just it's a hunk of trash when they release it and mm-hmm. then you get your 1.0 point uh, patch notes where they just fix all the broken bugs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then they release big yeah. old patches of like the 1.1, 1. 1, 1. 1.2, yeah. 1.3. Because your... what happens is they tell their shareholders, oh, the game will be released on this day and we'll start selling units. So then, but then the ah. actual size of the game gets so big and there's so many problems that they're working on and so many problems that they won't find out about until yeah. it's live. Yeah. They, they just don't know what to do and they're working on all those problems and it's usually not done until a little bit after. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they push out the game as soon as they need to just to get the f- money rolling. It's right. become common. It's become commonplace to do a day one patch. And day yeah. one, when you hear about a day one patch, you know that the game is broken when it goes out because yep. they know they have to basically export the game, print the shit, mm-hmm. get it out to warehouse. And then if there's anything else that they've had to do after that is day one patch. Like it's like, yep. Oh, you can download the game. Also, you immediately right. have to download this three Here's gigabyte this patch. disc with a bulk of files. We're going to fix some of them. Yeah. <laughs> So, okay, so there's something appealing about uh, launching yourself into space and killing pirates. Yeah, it's fun. I get high while I do it. It's cool. (laughs) (laughs) What a life. Yeah. What a life, Um, killing pirates. What else have I been doing? I started reading Contact. That's a good book. Uh, Is is that the guy that... Carl Sagan, right? Carl Sagan, yeah. Is he... I don't know writers, so I was going to give another example of what he's written. The Martian? No, no, no. no. That's Andy Weir. Andy Weir, I like Andy Weir's work. I've got a pretty good track record of just digesting his books in a matter of days. Mm-hmm. But Carl Sagan's a far better writer than what? Andy Weir. What else has he done? Um, well, he was an astrophysicist. Oh, um, yeah. He did the show Cosmo. Was Cosmos his? Or was I think that... so. I think, it, yeah. Uh, you know what? I have the entire internet on my phone. I can mm-hmm. ask it. As far as I know, Contact's the only book he wrote. But okay. it's... There's a movie based on it, and it's kind of what Arrival is based on. It's, oh, that's right. You were telling me about that. Well, yeah. I was telling you about Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke, which is also what oh. Arrival is a little bit about. Arrival pulls its uh, the Amy Adams character from Contact, mm-hmm. and it pulls the aliens from Childhood's End. Okay. 
Yeah. He wrote a lot of books, but a lot of them are kind I'm of sure science or like science philosophy intersections. Yeah. Um, as far as Cosmos, Carl Sagan's Cosmos is a television series. So, okay. yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Ooh, and I've also been watching a lot of Adam Savage's uh, YouTube channel. Tested. Yeah. Me too. Dude, I love Tested. Uh, his building his shit. His little one day builds. Oh, they're great. Oh, man. I watched them when he made... I, uh, one of the ones I really liked, which I don't know why I liked it so much, was the uh, the slate. Oh, yeah, I haven't watched the slate yet. Huh. I watched him build apple boxes, and I was yeah. like, my mind was blown. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, did, did you follow any of that, Matt? Adam Savage is the Mythbusters guy, yes. right? Yeah. And uh, since Mythbusters has stopped and then restarted with other things, no one gives a shit about it. The mythology is he, busted. He Yeah. <laughs> he started his own channel on YouTube called Tested, where he just... He just does, he kind of does the more hands-on stuff that Mythbusters mm-hmm. never really dwelled on. Okay. Um, and it's really cool. Like, he's, I mean, you know, he's got tons of experience in special yeah. effects. He tells stories about his ILM days. Yeah. He tells uh, very cool. stories. Yeah. He talks about just how art department and film works sometimes. Yeah. It's just all right. very cool. Yeah. Cool. He's got a cool shop. Sounds yeah. fun. I want to break in. <laughs> that's is that okay is that what made you ask me if rem can get a wood shop yeah absolutely <laughs> i was looking at adam savage's shop and i'm like i want this yep all right all right anything else i think that's about it i just realized that i took my notes on what i've been up to on my phone oh that was a um, wrong thing well, i've been up to all right so here we go all right so i've been continuing watching the crown uh didn't get very far but diana's solidly part of it now so i can't wait to see how that turns out uh <laughs> i know very little about that story uh princess diane basically uh prince charles really liked this other girl and mm-hmm. then but like people didn't like th- the family didn't like that they were together because of reasons political reasons and then he came across this diana girl who she just won the hearts of the royal family okay. like she did like one trip to scotland when they were all in scotland and everyone loved her and they're like you need to marry her mm-hmm. and so meanwhile he's still in love with this other girl that you know present day is actually married to her like this okay. new girl uh, or this old other girl but what happens to diana uh well let's just say she and automobiles and tunnels don't get along great man that is not a sensitive thing <laughs> to say no so uh she was being chased by paparazzi um, through this tunnel, and she was telling her driver to like lose him, and they got in a car accident, yeah. and she mm. and she died. Uh, but there's a lot to it too that um, I don't. I first heard about it recently once this season came out. And there's a whole bunch of news of like the royal mm-hmm. family talking about it, which happens every time a season of The Crown drops. Of course, um, but yeah. there was apparently uh, the day, the night before their wedding night. Um, Charles told Diana that he didn't love her and oh, it's just this whole like it's this whole drama between the two of them and stuff like that like it's not That's, a happy relationship it's actually yeah. the second biggest blunder to happen at a wedding in England the first one was Ross in Friends man I haven't seen Friends what a <laughs> what a stretch <laughs> no but like basically this whole season is uh Mental is following the Diana story okay. um, and that whole thing. Uh, cool. Then I watched, I finished Love, Death, and Robots. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah that's the other thing. I've been watching shit. that. Yeah. I love that show. It's cool. just, it. they tell their story and then that's it. And the mm-hmm. animation looks good. And like the, I mean, the gore is definitely a little appalling at some points. Oh, you do, yeah. Um, but it's just, 
I mean, it makes you think and it like it. I like the, the fact that some of them are eight minutes. Some of them are 25 minutes. It's Black Mirror, but for Quibi before Quibi existed. Yeah, it, it's it's a better version of Black Mirror because not every single one has to be this really gloomy, like uh, commentary on the human condition. Yeah, there's that delightful <laughs> one about the robot tourists and the cats. Yeah, that and then there's really like fun. the one that's like how many like all the ways that Hitler can die. Yes, I've, that's the only one I've watched twice because it's just quick, it's eight minutes, and it's so much fun. Yes, um, and it's just that's something it it's inspired me a lot to finish some of my little ideas mm-hmm. that i want to like but I, I think they all fit they're all more suited to animation so we need to get our animation studio up and running Dude. as soon as possible i'm a uh, complete in agreement <laughs> with that yep let's um, buy a pc <laughs> so it's i i highly recommend it to anyone who just likes little little things that just have a cool story to tell some of them end really depressingly or like like uh, a non-ender yep. Some of them are just like the one uh, suits, which is the people on the farm that have uh, the suits that fight the. Have you not seen it? I've only seen the ones that we watched at the bachelor oh, party. Oh man, they're so good. They're. I would argue that the ones that we watched at the bachelor party are in like the are like the second third of quality. Like there okay. are some that are better than that. Okay. Um, and I think that's coming from a. We were shown these episodes by casual moviegoers yep um and they were like yeah these are really good and you're like yeah they're they're pretty they're pretty great mm-hmm. um but then there's some that have some pretty gnarly like good good storytelling that mm-hmm. i think you'll enjoy a bit more um what else have i done i wa- we watched trial of the seven mm-hmm. chicago, chicago seven. seven um which after doing more research it's really interesting to me that they went the chicago seven because it was called the chicago eight before until seal like it mm-hmm. was in the newspapers back then, they were called the Chicago Eight mm-hmm. uh, until Seal was severed from the case, and then then it became the Trial of the Seven. So it's interesting to me that they focus so much mm-hmm. on the Seven, despite the fact that Seal is just kind of there around. Yeah. Or or or. Nice. The fact that Seal is just kind of there around, mm-hmm. um, and but no, it, it's it's I really enjoyed it um, because it does a. It does a decent job of simultaneously criticizing the role of some people while also showing them kind of where they really are kind of forced in those positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to say that um, jo- uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is a sympathetic character by any means, but like they kind of do a good job when establishing him. Mm-hmm on during the court scenes like the the trial you're kind of like i feel like he's gonna redeem himself at some point Mm -hmm. and like and i'm not gonna tell you what happens Mm -hmm. um but they it i mean yeah it's aaron sorkin and there are things that just that are established early on that really pay off at the end um that and on that note, I'm gonna I'm gonna transition over to Steve Jobs. I watched Steve Jobs, the one with uh, um, Michael Fassbender. Michael Fassbender, right. um, not Ashton Kutcher. Oh, okay. I gotta give ratings. Uh, I would yes. put Trial uh, Trial of the Chicago Seven at a eight. I'm gonna put That's that in an eight. Disappointing. It should have been a seven. Shut up. No, it was eight because there was eight originally. Don't discount the Black Panther guy. That I think is something that mm. was kind of like neglected a little bit. They just yeah. really didn't talk about the 
like how much of an impact the Black Panthers were in that case. Mm-hmm. Like this, I'm not gonna get into it. Watch it. It it does a decent job of like saying, "Hey, this was a thing," mm-hmm. but not dwelling on it. And it okay. felt kind of like a whitewashed version of the actual thing. That's yeah, Hollywood um, does. But uh, so that's an eight. Um, Steve Jobs, I'm putting at a six, seven. Seven. It's I think I'm settling up, up and down for a while. I started while, but... as like a seven to an eight, and then thinking on it more kind of put me down at a six to a seven. I think I'm going to settle on a seven. Okay. There was something that it does. I notice this in movies when I'm watching, where if it if the movie does something once, twice, or three times, or mm-hmm. more than three times, and it's along the lines of the phrase "once is an occurrence, twice is a coincidence, three times is a pattern, or enemy agency, or intentional, whatever you want to call it." Yep. Three times. And I always notice when movies do something twice because it pisses me off because it's not it's an accident at that point in my mind. Mm. So there's this thing that that they do in Steve Jobs where while their people are talking, there's kind of this projector projection on a wall behind them of kind of a complimentary. Have you seen Steve Jobs? No. Okay. it's kind of this complimentary like imagery behind them. That's Mm -hmm. it's not. I'm so close to thinking of the word diegetic mm-hmm. it's non non-diegetic projection um and they do it once kind of early on and they do it once about halfway through but never again and it just feels like that was something that like kind of a mm. mechanic that they didn't dedicate to like it feels like there's a scene missing where they capitalize on that mm-hmm. it does feel like there's a scene missing but the the common thread with those is those uh projections are happening when steve is in a very specific train of thought yeah where he's trying to figure out what his next move is i right. don't think they do it in the last one because he already know like he doesn't have yeah. a next move to go to but um so that was something that bothered me but uh something andrew mentioned to me last night that well, i mean i i caught on to it but you explicitly mentioned it was the fact that it doesn't follow a, a, a explicit three-act structure or any kind of general movie structure it's basically there are three events that he does mm-hmm. it's the it's 84 88 and 2000 2004 I think 2003 so. um so it's the launch of the uh macintosh mm-hmm. launch of the uh next his company that he started once he was fired from apple and then the launch of the imac imac um and the first two take i would say about 30 minutes and then the last one takes about an hour and it's basically all of the events like the day of and his interactions with all the people involved in him the uh mm-hmm. Wa- steve wozniak uh the two uh, andy hertzfeld yep um his daughter his who's feld why are you hurting him <laughs> hurts hurts him hurts him bad um <laughs> like all the people that are really pivotal in the development of steve jobs mm-hmm. um and kind of their interaction and uh, by no John means scully huh? forgot scully and scully um by no means historically accurate because there's no way that all of those conversations happened every single time. Oh yeah, no. uh, but it's kind of like a it, it sums up everything that's happened up to that mm-hmm. point, um, and it, it's really cool to watch how he developed, how those relationships developed at each time, and it does a really good job of explaining how each of these things are turning points for all of their lives, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of centering it around that uh, convention. Mm-hmm. So each one kind of ends the same way um like 
physically, like the event starting. Right. Uh, but with drastically different implications in the way that their lives are moving forward afterwards. Okay. And does a really cool job of doing that. And I enjoyed that a lot. Just, just kind of that fresher take. Yeah. Um, another critique I have of is mentioning that they're 30 minutes, 30 minutes an hour is during the third one, you're kind of going, wow, this is taking a long time. This is really kind of dragging on, mm-hmm, like, because yeah. you you've learned that pattern of right. It's a thirty minute thing, right? And so you're just like, when's it gonna start? Oh, we're bringing this guy in. Oh, this is a monologue. Okay, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the third one kind of feels like it drags on, but it, um, I would say it six out of ten capitalizes on the emotional impact at the end. It doesn't perfectly do it because it you. If you think about it a little too hard, you kind of think how shitty she, she Steve Jobs is. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. He's, Basically, yeah. like the conflict between he and his daughter gets resolved in some way, mm. and uh, but the implications of it, it's like ah, you can be a piece of shit as long as you do something. Yeah, like, as long it, as you hit X and Y and yeah, Z, yeah, you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. And Which, it, I don't know. When it comes to that movie, I feel like the script is a solid you know nine out of ten and then the actual directing is what really pulls it down yeah because all the performances are great michael fassbender is amazing there is something i noticed about the way that he would get angry and yell is it wasn't like it didn't get the growl it didn't get the Mm -hmm. chest of the growl it was more of like a head yell Mm -hmm. which is something that i picture steve jobs actually does like he doesn't yell like this he kind of like he yells like this like it's kind of like it's Mm -hmm. it's airier and Mm -hmm. Like, it was something I just noticed that kind of fit. It's this computer guy, not like a burly, angry man. Like, yeah. I just, it kind of played to that, the, huh. the characterization of Steve Jobs. All right. Yeah, that's Steve Jobs. Um, cool. But, oh, crap. I've been up to one more thing and I can't remember. What was the other thing? Oh. Um, If anything happens, I love you. Have you heard about this? No. It is a 12-minute movie. Okay. It's a 12-minute animated movie. Okay. And I think... it will make a lot of people cry. Um, I don't want to talk about what it's about. I think you should just go watch it. Okay. Avoid the description of it. Just yeah, watch it. it. It spoils it in the description it on does. Netflix. So just mm. don't look at that. Just hit play. Yeah. Okay. It's... It will hit some, it'll tug on some of your heartstrings. Um, I don't have any. But I think, I don't know if you're going to really, like, I don't know. I feel like if you don't even feel something at this one, then you literally have no heart. <laughs> Am I wrong on that, Andrew? Uh, yeah. I mean. Like, if it, it's your, oh, God, I, I. If you don't feel anything after this, whether it be like sadness or like kind of some rage at anything, mm-hmm. if you walk away feeling like, you know, whatever, ah, whatever, I'm just going to go live my life, not reflect on this at all for a moment, then you're probably a little. You're Spock and not the good you're... kind of Spock. You're a piece of shit, Spock. <laughs> Challenge accepted. All right. Boy. I'm going to lose so much respect for you if you just, like, walk away from that go, nah, that's all right, it's a thing. Like, honestly, I felt like it was all fake. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so there's that thing. Uh, I recommend everyone go watch that. If not, just for, like, a little bit of a 
little bit of a breach into that because it's something that hasn't been talked about in a while. It's an important issue that they're discussing, and I think it needs a lot more attention. Yeah. Mm. Um, I think that's all I've been up to. Cool. What a downer to end that one on, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, I've got news. some... I'm going to go turn my TV back on. All right. I'm going to see if I can find some news that'll make you excited and make you happy. Oh, no. Uh... That does not sound promising. Excite me, Matt. Give me, give me the news. Okay, here's well, here's a good one. George Clooney was not asked to return for the Flash movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do you not know about all that? No. Dude, Ben Affleck and Michael Keaton are coming back as Batman for the Flash movie. Okay. And Did uh, Clooney play the Flash at some point? No, he no, played, played Batman. Batman. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. nipples. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We Flash know. nipples? You can't do that with the video, dude. You're going to get us demonetized, and we're not even monetized. <laughs> we're not on video we're right now. Negative monetized. That's true. We aren't on video. Right <laughs> They're going to charge us. Yep. Uh, let's see. So, that I don't know. That was just a headline I saw that caught my attention. Yep. Um, anime of the show, Rob Liefeld is excited about developments with Deadpool 3. He uh. says, quote, I think people should be open to new voices. Without new voices, I would never would have gotten a job in comics. Without new voices, Robert Kirkman never breaks into comics. Wow. Thanks, Rob Liefeld, for stating the obvious. Also, maybe we shouldn't listen to new voices if you're, they got you into comics in the first <laughs> place. <laughs> Old yeah. voices only. God, it's you, Rob. Absolute dingus. No, it's totally not, okay, I would not are. say that he is a new voice. I would say he is a... Um, he was a new voice once. No, he he was. He, I don't think he was ever a new voice. I think he distilled the dumbness of superhero comic books and then portrayed them. I don't think he was a new voice. I think he took he took what people what um I I have one person in my mind. He took what those what non comic book people think of superhero comics think mm -hmm. of batman and superman and like captain america like comic book superheroes he took what they think it is distilled it down and like and just hammered it yeah. like that that's what he did he, it's not a new voice he's the people that made a bad name for what comic books actually can do you read something like trees or Hellboy, like there's some so much more to it than what he does. Yep. He was not a new man. I get so angry whenever I talk about Rob Liefeld. Hence the enemy of the show designation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he was one of the founders of Image Comics. Oh, well, that sounds like someone I would like then. Except he founded this the studio called Extreme Studios, okay. and he can't draw feet. And if I could show you a picture right now, <laughs> is it he can't draw feet or he won't? Draw he feet? can't draw feet, and he, he he even talks about it on Twitter all the time. Like people were like, "Oh, like Rob Liefeld's feet," and he's like, "No, I know I can't draw feet. Like he just they're teeny and pointy." Um, and also, I if I had my phone, actually, while he well, continues to talk yeah. about news, you keep talking about news. Look up Rob Liefeld Captain America on image. Oh, I think you've showed where me. it's just like a barrel chest, but not like a good barrel chest, like a, you know, uh, Hobbit barrel chest. <laughs> uh, here's some more good news for you, Preston. I like good news. You remember that movie, the 355? Oh, no. It's oh. been delayed a year. <laughs> I thought you said deleted and I was like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they accidentally deleted it. Some intern just tripped. And, no. Whoops. Didn't that happen to uh one of the animated movies, like Monsters Inc. or something like, or like one of Pixar, the Toy Story movies, Toy Story. I think, Toy had Story a chunk deleted. Was told they were told. I was I was listening to you watching that documentary about mm -hmm. Pixar. They were like told we'll talk about it. They were told to delete 
what happened with pick with toy story 2 to make a new toy story 2 yeah. or something like that huh i can't remember anyway anyway uh yeah it's pushed back all the way here to january 2022 oh no how will i ever recover from losing being able to see the 355 who exactly yeah it's a generic looking female-led spy movie that preston is obscenely angry about for some reason it's saying generic is just massively reductive reductive to Mm -hmm. how how generic it can be. How generic and cookie cutter. You've seen the... I showed you the trailer. Oh, is this It's the one movie? where it's just like, where I'm putting together a team and you're yeah. the best at what you do. Like, it's just it's all of the cookie cutter lines. saying what you're good at, just being like... Demolitions. Communications. Sniperations. Sniper... Like, <laughs> you, got your, you got your tech person. You got your sneaky person. You got your pickpocket that you came across you because... Want- oh, I will bet you this. That they stole straight from Ocean's Eleven... And like the test to the pickpocket was to get pickpocketed with the details of the go- of the job. <laughs> I bet you that's the thing that happens. Probably. Man, I dropped the f bomb multiple times today because <laughs> I'm heated. This part's not going on YouTube. It's news. That's true, but we still like to censor the f bomb on the audio. This is a family friendly podcast. Family friendly podcast. Fine. What's next? Mads Mikkelsen is officially cast as. Uh, I was going to say Hannibal Lecter, but we already knew that. Uh, <laughs> Gellert Grindelwald in Fantastic Beasts 3. Wow, I can't wait to not see that. <laughs> we'll see it. Johnny we'll savage Depp's it. Not the reason I didn't like those movies. So. <laughs> no. Um, I can't wait to watch Sads Mickelson. <laughs> uh, dead in the eyes is Mickelson. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, he's like, he's the right guy for the role, but just the rest of the movie is going to be wrong. Yeah so yeah it's like not even he could make those awful scripts work it's nah it's henry cavill in batman versus superman no actually better example he's uh um jason momoa in justice league he's the right guy for that role just the rest of the movies nah. <laughs> but just think how great Zack snyder's justice league will be when we get to see the original Maybe really just trying to like vision you're just yeah. trying to piss me off today. A little bit. Wait. I'm just yeah. Zack Snyder I, is so good. <laughs> His movie will be good when we see the cut. I'm sure. He's not tour, dude. I can't. No. Please no. <laughs> good. We've killed the guest. This is a good start. Uh. I don't like it. Three hundred looks wrong. I said it. <laughs> 300 looks wrong. It All those sexy, sweaty men. It looks wrong. Matt, what's the next bit of news? We got to get through this. Uh, <laughs> We're at an hour. Top Gun Maverick, I kind of didn't care about until Miles Teller said that they're not using any green screen, which is cool. Any? Any. Yeah, don't no, buy he, it. He learned how to fly. Well, I know he yeah. learned how to fly. He also learned how to halo jump, so I don't doubt that he's just going to learn how to do whatever he needs to do. Yeah. But like, I feel like there's some green screen somewhere at no. some point. No. It's not in Tenet. Well, Tenet didn't need green screen. Neither does Top Gun Maverick. It's just mm-hmm. airplanes, dude. Tenet could have used green screen a lot of times. Yeah, yeah no. It would have made Nolan's life easier. But, yeah. he, but Nolan's a masochist. He's an auteur, dude. <laughs> Nolan is an auteur. I will give him mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. An artistic director. If only he would like make a movie that just like gets that last little bit that... Like, every one of his movies yeah, he, just kind of misses. 
Except for like, like Dark Knight. It, yeah, I was about to say. Dark Knight for the obligatory best one. <laughs> yeah, but like all, I feel like all those movies. Like thinking back, there's just like that little bit that's just he just doesn't close the gap. He doesn't close the bit. gap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Dunkirk. I need to go back and watch it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. What are we talking about today? Are we done with news? I think I had one more thing, but I don't remember what it was. Whoops! Close my phone. Good job, Matt. You're really pulling this together today. Really, uh. Driving this one home. Oh, uh, apparently Alan Rickman's diary is getting published. Yeah. Which is... I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah. like I mean, we did it to a little girl, so we could do it to an old man. That's true, but what historical significance is Alec Rickman's... Alec Rickman? <laughs> apparently none, if you can't remember his name. Alan Rickman's <laughs> diary. I, I don't know. Oh, that's a good question. I, I think it's just the fact that he maybe. I I mean, if they're I publishing just, it, I hope this is the estate being like, oh, this is actually going to be valuable for his fans, not just oh, we can cash out. On yeah, I th- I think it might just diary. be that like he strikes me as a guy who kept a very good log on the way that Hollywood worked from his perspective, and that could be something that's really interesting. Like maybe it's just like kind of how he did. He struggle with anything? Do we know? Just he... being awesome. Yeah, just being... <laughs> yeah, probably like I mean, we get we've got him from um like uh dead uh Die Hard Die Hard to Harry Potter to um Sweeney Todd. Like he's been in a lot of different things. Was he in Sweeney Todd? Yeah, he was the he was I've the main seen... per he was the pedophile galaxy, guy. That Galaxy Quest would have been the, the third go to Alan Rickman role. I have not seen Galaxy Quest. Galaxy Quest. Then you're wrong. Good. Mm. Also, he played the robot in um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. To the yeah, Galaxy. he's perfect that, in yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, he's just he's so diverse and he's so well respected in Hollywood that I think diverse. It always feels like he's kind of just the sulky older guy. Well, he's in a bunch of different kinds of movies. No, they're all fantasy. Like yeah, Die Hard. Die well, Hard's Die Hard's a Christmas movie, so I mean that kind of sets it in that fantastical, so whimsical landscape. Harry, Harry Potter is a Christmas, Christmas movie. movie. These are the things we know. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, I think he's got. I think he's got some interesting things to say, especially if he's kept a diary for this whole time. Yeah. Like, I mean, if someone, if you like, if Tom Hardy dies, and it's like, yeah, he's got a journal that. I mean, he wrote once in 1994, and then another time in 2007. Like, no one gives a shit because it's just just two entries. Yeah. Yeah. But if Alan Rickman, if they said it was a diary from every day on Mad Max, that'd be something. Yeah maybe i mean his but i think I, it, I assume based on them releasing it that it's probably something he kept a very he, comprehensive law he, he apparently did keep a very meticulous record of a lot of different things over the span of like 25 years yeah so that's a that's a good um, insights about people reviews of plays and movies mm-hmm. and stuff that he saw and dude i've his experiences. i'll I'm, probably read it i'm like, interested but i'm like i don't know if he would be okay with it and That's I don't know if I care. Up. Like, if he published it, I'd read it. I yeah. just don't know if... I don't think anyone ever intends to publish the a diary. Yeah, but, like... But yeah. I don't think that anyone, like, unless it's something that in, in there, it's very clear that, like, this is personal. Yeah. If, if it's more of a journal, just like, ah, just kind of like my observations and stuff like that. Maybe they've taken out personal stuff. I don't Maybe. know. We'll Maybe. See. I would hope. I just... Yeah, Again, we like, did it to a little girl. So yeah, <laughs> I'm just I'm this question always kind of interests me. Like, I'm not sure how much I care because like Kafka, when he died, he tried to 
have all his manuscripts burned. Mm-hmm. Um, Chopin tried to burn a bunch of his unpublished stuff. Some of the stuff that we have today, the um, posthumous C-sharp minor nocturne is mm-hmm. fantastic. A lot of that stuff wouldn't have survived despite the artist's intentions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, how much do we let people define their own legacy? Yeah. That is a good philosophical question. Do oh, darn. I've started a philosophical do question. Do we define our own legacies? No, I think it's just. I don't think humans. Happens. I don't think people define their own legacy by any stretch. I think you legacies can, are defined by what's left behind in general. You can influence the direction of a little bit. I don't like, think you can. I think depending. I, I think your uh, legacy is entirely Chopin's defined. legacy is that he wrote a bunch of good piano music. If he hadn't written a bunch of good piano music, that wouldn't have been his legacy. I don't you absolute think, dingus. I don't think it's just legacy <laughs> is just that he wrote a bunch of good I mean, piano music. I think there's more of a legacy of like what we've seen from like retroactively about the way he lived. You're reading an entire book about that of like or you read an entire book about Shostakovich? Yeah. About like his thing, but it's a legacy that he did not write himself that you I think mean, of. it's a combination no. of what he made, but what he made is what influenced anything else you know like if he inspired a bunch of other musicians to go on and do other things that still goes back to him making his music yeah yeah but he didn't try to do that what do you mean i don't think when he was writing music that his his intention was to inspire other people to also write music i think his thing was an outlet for himself happened yeah he tried to write music though Yeah. yeah that's what i'm saying is that like whatever your intention is i don't think your intention has very much sway on what happens like it may just happen to go in that same trajectory i think we're coming at the question from different angles we're using different definitions of the oh, word legacy familiar. here <laughs> <laughs> let's move on anyway discussion <laughs> andrew yes why the f- are you here um well i heard last week you guys were talking about avatar and next week, have you announced what next week yeah. is? Yes, we have. Okay, it's about Miyazaki. Yeah. Yep. So I figured we'd talk a little bit about you know, the in-between, just Eastern and Western animation in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess we're just jumping into it. Now. Yeah. So I wanted to small talk. More. <laughs> so, Andrew. Yes. What is the nature and purpose of a weeb? Of a weeb? Jesus! Alright, we're going in a completely different direction. (laughs) I like this. Okay. The purpose of a weeb is... First off, no one should aim to become a weeb. It just is something that happens. We should probably take a step back and clarify. What is a weeb? A weeb is a person that just unhealthily loves anime way too much okay specifically we refers to people that are kind of appropriating japanese culture Mm -hmm. and trying to replace their own traditionally western culture with it okay and doing it very poorly Mm -hmm. so like they will break out random japanese that they've learned from anime in just the wrong (laughs) usage konnichiwa yeah And it just makes no sense. Um, they also just, they kind of feed into the same vein as the otaku culture in Japan, which is like their version of a weeb, just as well, someone that spends all their time and money on anime and animated related items, okay. you know, buying figures and shit. Mm-hmm. That's basically what a weeb is, except that's actually their own culture. 
because they live there. Yeah. Right. You know, animation that's being made by their people. Hmm. It's a little more understandable to be an otaku, I guess, but... I suppose. I, I mean, yeah, I've you've... been called a weeb before just because I watch a lot of anime, but so weeb is not just someone who watches a bunch of anime. No, no there's that. It's, it's specifically people that are like way too into it. Okay, <laughs> like you can you can spot a weeb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. I I can think of a few people. Yeah. Um. All right. So, I mean, anything has its obsessive super fans. You've got your mm-hmm. your football freaks and your um uh classical music snobs and people that just get too obsessed with particular things but it really seems like anime and um anime culture is something that breeds a lot of that just a lot of people get really into it that you wouldn't expect to i think it's just getting more and more popular like that's the thing is just anime is becoming a part of american pop culture Mm -hmm. because you know simulcasts like because of the internet we get new anime the same day that they do in Japan now. Okay. Which is just like, I remember when I first started watching anime, that wasn't a thing. I'd have to wait for Pat Never. And then all of a sudden with Crunchyroll and Hulu and Funimation, it's just mm-hmm. same day as Japan, it's here in America. Cool. So it's very easy for people to take it up as a hobby, as a interest of theirs. Okay. So, and it's just getting more and more popular because it's just... It's content. We live in a content-driven world. People want to never stop watching things, it seems like. Is this my life now? That's actually depressing. Where were you going with this string of questions? Uh, nowhere in particular. He might have a weeb in his life that he's trying to get into. Understand. Trying to understand. No, really, I, we're, we're, just, we're talking about animation, yeah. right? Western animation? Eastern animation? Yeah. So what... what deli- like? What constitutes sort of pure, honest-to-goodness anime? Honest-to-goodness anime made in Japan. That's all there is to it? What's the difference between Western and Eastern animation? Like, why... So, made in Japan, is there a different, like, way that that's done? Well, yeah, they have different processes. They have different values of storytelling. They... Like, so, you know, all anime characters kind of look the same. Yeah. That's very much a purposeful thing. Like, there was a kind of a divide where western animation was going one way in the 40s and Mm -hmm. eastern animation was going a different way and like you know we had kind of the uh oh what would it be called like the old school disney cell animation um not the rotoscoping shit but like mickey mouse and whatnot just the very cartoony you know cuphead um yeah that era of animation at the same time, Japan was already doing stuff that looks like anime, kind of. Okay. You know? Um, I can't remember the name of what that movie is. There's an old movie that's good. <laughs> that narrows it down. Yeah. Godfather. Um, it's like one of the first like anime that looks like a modern anime. Okay. It's from like the 60s. So like the hyper-stylized emotions and... No, not that much. Just okay. like the eyes look the same. It's right. about very fantastical elements. Okay. Um, it's not like, you know, yelling and punching to solve problems that hadn't come around yet, but... That sounds like Superman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's just any male fantasy character who's just like, I just want to yell and punch and my problems are solved. That's uh, That's it. That's, that's... the masculine dream we talked about that a little bit on our zombie movies episode zombies are basically a masculine power fantasy just oh, really all of your problems can be solved by yelling and punching yep 
or remaining very sneakily quiet Carl. and punching. <laughs> Carl. Carl. Uh, <laughs> so you you talked a lot about like what was rotoscoping, like mm-hmm. the way that. So they had been doing something on their own, like their own way of doing it in Japan, mm-hmm. and then we had our own way of doing it. Like what? So where did that? The happen. the Japanese and the Americans invented something similar to the rotoscope at about the same time, hmm. and Americans loved it. They're like, "Great, we can just shoot live action footage, trace over it with our drawings, okay. and it'll look real." And the Japanese were like, "This is terrible. Why would I want it to look real?" <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, like, they very much want it to not look real. That's why it's all very that explains distinct features so much. It does. That's, that's because... it's really curious about like because we've talked about um, like back to our uh, artist objective, like, the element of like. I guess it's a Western culture thing that we want things that are close to the real thing. Mm-hmm. So why you yeah. like. Um, like why still paintings like mm-hmm. still form paintings of a fruit bowl are liked is because it looks like the real thing and like why people are fascinated by like youtube videos of someone drawing a realistic face like oh that looks really cool mm-hmm. meanwhile in japan like and they're well i mean now and with they, people they here there's something a completely that conveys different. the emotion a little bit more to the point yeah then we go for yeah we want something we want it to look real and then pull the emotion from it yeah they want it to have its realism just from the way that it connects with you mm-hmm. is okay. at least my understanding of it yeah so okay. it sort of abstracts it to hit closer mm-hmm. to the home yeah okay. and yeah. i mean you'll you'll notice that all the time with just like you know if you're supposed to like something it's super cute if mm-hmm. it's supposed to scare you, it's scary. Yeah. Okay. It's weird. It's creepy. Weird and like stretchy and, mm-hmm. and yeah. whatever the hell Death Note like Spikes. Ryuk from Death yeah. Note is. And they'll use realism in its most unflattering form sometimes to drive that point home. You'll see that a lot in Miyazaki's work. Like mm-hmm. people will be like very porous. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like off-putting. Mm. Yeah. Um, okay. But... So how did that like so early on in Western animation? How did that lead to, like, what it is now? Like, I mean, rotoscoping. Mm-hmm. There had to be like, I mean, I know the answer to this because I listened to your your, yeah. your documentary. I was watching it. Mm-hmm. How did that go from rotoscoping something that we created alongside, mm-hmm. uh, like simultaneously with uh, Japan, to monsters inc each frame of solely taking a week to render or whatever well so it it became cheaper to because rotoscoping takes a long ass time Mm -hmm. like you are meticulously just tracing you have to shoot it all first yep then you trace over it and it's a lot of people using you know their physical hands to make the whole frame a computer, you make the model once, and you can use that model multiple times. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's much more consistent, and it's just also, like, the possibilities are a lot more endless. Okay. Because you're not relying on a human brain to render it. The computer's handling all of that. So, like, in the case of Monsters, Inc., they had it just rendering for days and weeks just yeah. straight. Like, the computer would be, you'd be unable to turn it off for months just rendering out shit and like you know the computer you can do it in a lot more detail than you could ever do by hand because you know you can take the whole frame you can zoom in get a little details zoom mm-hmm. out see how they all blend together yeah um 
just the computer is hell of a thing, you know. Yeah. Believe it or not, we have mostly replaced all hand tools with them <laughs> at this point. Mm-hmm. Wow, um, it's a really profound point. Yeah, but you know what the most miraculous invention of all is? Sliced bread, thermos, thermos. It's three old timers just sitting around the their favorite oh. bar and talking about the the greatest inventions of the twentieth century. First guy says, "Well, it's an airplane. You know, you can get in the airplane and." few hours you can be anywhere in the world mm-hmm. and that's just it's soft transportation it's miraculous second guy says well it's got to be a computer you plug in any problem to the computer and you give it a few minutes and it'll solve the problem for you and that's made so much thing so many things obsolete and mm-hmm. pushed us forward in the future and the third guy says well no it's a thermos first two guys look at him and say a thermos what are you talking about and he says well yeah keeps hot stuff hot cold stuff cold how does it know <laughs> <laughs> I like that. God damn it. Um animation. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean like pretty much all animation nowadays is done on a computer, yeah. but specifically with what Pixar was doing is it was 3D rendering. It was just not done before mm-hmm. and since then 3D's kind of taken over and that's where everything's going towards. Um mm-hmm. Although now after Spider-Verse, it's the mixture of 2D and 3D. Yeah. Right. Yeah, American animation. Klaus. Klaus? 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 It's a Santa. I think I know what you're talking about. It's a Santa one where it's 2D, but they use shading just right, like Mm -hmm. shadows in just the right way where it kind of like feels a bit more 3D, even though it's completely 2D. Okay. Yeah. But like most of the time with modern like western animation it's always about the technical limitations that is being pushed mm-hmm. right like honestly when incredibles 2 came out i found people talking about the hair more than the actual plot yeah like people were like oh man did you see that animation look cool and i'm like yeah but there's the a plot, movie though? too like <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, at the end of the day you are just telling it yeah, tell a story like, right with finding nemo it was making it all look underwater with monsters inc it was hair and skin tones for mm-hmm. you know that age and mm-hmm. toy story it was just any 3d model <laughs> yeah yeah can i make it look good the answer's kind of <laughs> good enough um but the story's but, good enough that you don't care yeah and that never seems to be the focus at least because i'm basing all of my knowledge on eastern animation on two things um a show called shirobako Mm-hmm. It's just an anime about making anime. It's a little redundant, but it's very good. Um, and that's specifically talking about kind of hand-drawn studios as a whole. Mm-hmm. And then I've been reading a book on Miyazaki. Okay. And he's talking about just his own evolution through things. Right. And the way he put it, it made it sound like the Japanese anime industry as a whole just doesn't care about any of that. They don't really... W- they want to use the technology that they have and push it as far as it'll go. They don't really find a need in constantly one-upping themselves. Yeah. They right. just want to make the stories good. Okay. So see, that's really interesting, the, the difference between the way that they've approached. Um, what's the... Okay, so Western anime is pushing technological limits to... Pushing technology to its limits. Mm-hmm. While also telling a good story, like mm-hmm. a lot of the Pixar movies are genuinely good stories. Oh, they are great stories. Um, yeah. And then, and then you have stuff like Avatar and uh, like Teen Titans, which is mm-hmm. not it's less of a good story, but Avatar is a great, yeah, uh, great yeah. story. Um, and then 
Japan just like is like, yeah, we've got what we've got, and we'll also well, tell good stories. It's also important to know that American animation has a ton of money. Japanese animation has like no money. None of mm. these people are being paid well. They're all doing it for the love of their craft. No mm. one's getting hmm. rich off of it. Yeah, American animation, like most of the grunts aren't getting rich off of it, but the directors are. Yeah, the producers are. Yeah, Japanese, like the studios, taking all of that money that they make. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Japan. Yay. <laughs> um, you had another facet of this episode that you. Well, how does talk about how does Avatar fit into this framework? Because so, like it, it's Western, but it's clearly Eastern inspired and has a lot of those well anime it's mannerisms. Written by Western people, but it was actually animated in Korea. Oh, like I didn't know that. It well, because it was much cheaper to use Korean animators than American ones. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, outsourcing. Yeah. <laughs> um. So like the I believe their key artists were from here, but like most of the whole show was just the key artist. Like someone that, you know, designs the character, mm-hmm. picks like the frame for like the big moments, does the storyboarding maybe, but then someone else animates everything else in between. Okay. Okay. I knew that. I was just putting it out there for this. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um so yeah, Avatar, it is a Western show. It was released in the West. Right. But it was made with a lot of attention towards like they wanted it to look like an anime and resemble some of anime that the creators loved mm-hmm. but it also was made by an eastern animation team mm-hmm. and kind of it that's why it has that style to yeah. it yeah okay and so clearly the style is not something that hampers western animation in like consumers mm-hmm. to go away so there there's got to be something more than just the physical animation but the way that stories what i'm saying is like basically the there's yes there's a difference in the animation specifically but then the actual content Mm -hmm. is drastically different because like people were not put off by an anime show because the content was still pretty western i mean Mm -hmm. when i was a kid watching avatar I never found other kids that were phased by it, but mm-hmm. I do remember like my parents and friends of my parents always being like, are you watching anime? Yeah. <laughs> what is, no, go watch American shit. <laughs> but what I'm, what I'm getting at is like, I, I didn't even think about this going into the episode. We talked about the technical aspects of um, the actual animation, mm-hmm. but what about the content of Western versus Eastern anime or animation? Like what's, what's the difference in what they do like is that something that you've thought about a lot or like not really i mean the content it they have different genres that each of them play to Mm -hmm. because like you know because it feels like eastern stuff like the stuff that i've seen is a lot more um in your face about whatever it is Mm -hmm. uh i think this is something we talked about where you said you want to connect with they want to connect with the emotions directly then Mm -hmm. subtly um I don't know. I wanted to like kind of talk about that a little bit. Sure. Like when someone in an Eastern animation thing is angry, they're screaming and like. Let's talk about One Piece because you've watched a lot of me watching One Piece. I've heard you watching One Piece <laughs> because a lot. And of there's time, a lot of screaming. There is a lot of screaming, and it's usually just because like people are running because lo- fighting. And Luffy like- wants eggs. 
or something. And sometimes it's he's hungry. Um. Yeah, and it's just and it's just shouting and loud and yeah. a lot. Mm-hmm. But then when someone's angry in, um, in Avatar, mm-hmm. it's less shouty. It, it does it a little bit, but it's mm-hmm. like it, it's less in your face, and it's yeah. more kind of internal mm-hmm. rage. It's westernized. Yeah. Westernized. It, uh, is, it is very Avatar is a lot more internalized feelings, emotions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But like that's how Japanese culture is. Mm-hmm. It's very just internalized feelings. They want to express a different side of it because it's made for kids. They want to they want to try and teach kids, hey, work really hard. And what sticks out more to them when they see someone working hard is they're yelling. Yeah. You know? It's like the pure passion. It's things are being, these characters are so impassioned by what they are doing that they are rising outside of themselves and Mm -hmm. they're, you know, screaming and yelling and getting into it, you know? Yeah. It's not as entertaining to watch something where everyone's like composed on the inside. I want to see what that feeling is. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's really interesting. That was inspiring, except I watched a little bit of One Piece and was mostly terrified. So <laughs> It's a very different thing. Oh, yeah, because One Piece has been just going on for so long. Well, like... I'm talking just like Eastern animation in general is a very different thing to get used to. And we're yeah. going to talk about that a bit in uh, with Miyazaki, where mm-hmm. it's you kind of have to put yourself in a different mindset than you're than if you're watching uh love death and robots mm-hmm. is very different and well, it's a different culture that you're it is seeing. Yeah. yeah um and I, I it's interesting to me that the animation there's everything about animation between the western and the eastern uh industries mm-hmm. surrounds that like how the actual animation is how the acting is done how the writing is done just very while they started in the same place diverged Mm -hmm. because of just cultural differences and have become so incredibly distinct Mm -hmm. yeah um, despite both being animation and like if you look at it technologically it's like just generally is done the same way mm -hmm. on a computer software animation with like acting and writing and directing and stuff like that but it's just so incredibly different yeah, well, I mean, you can make the same parallel with live action, just like American Hollywood stuff versus French films, or yeah. even just American TV and British TV are drastically sure. different, even though it's the same yeah. tools being used. The same concepts are the same for both of them, you know? Mm-hmm. No matter what we're talking about, framing is the same. You know, if you want a character to be powerful in your frame, you make them big. Yeah. That's right. something that both American and Eastern animation just all film yeah does. Mm-hmm. yeah kingpin yeah just the size of the screen mm-hmm. <laughs> like this big but it's the deviations that's interesting to me that's what i really like about watching animes it's just everything is done a way that i would never do it yeah you know and i like that it's challenging my worldview constantly yeah, yeah. what else my battery is flashing up uh, there sub or dub um it depends i mean i depends on the actor of the sub yeah no it depends on the sub or it depends on the dub because like full metal alchemist i'll watch dubbed Mm -hmm. um just because it's what i grew up on i've been watching one piece dubbed because i like to fall asleep 
sometimes watching it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's I can't comforting. do that if it's not my language. Um, <laughs> but then there's, you know, like one of my favorite movies, Your Name. I will only watch that subbed. The dub is... Ugh, I don't like that dub. <laughs> and that was a more recent dub. And plus, like, especially like 90s, 2000s dubs, it's like the same six actors that do everything. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because it was just like just Funimation making it into right. English and it's just it gets old. Okay. Um I've heard horror stories of like movies being completely dumbed down or like entire themes or subplots being oh, yeah, basically that written out. So Netflix had bought the rights to Neon Genesis Evangelion. Okay. Uh about a year ago, which is the first time in like, you know, fifteen years it was available in the West legally. Um and they cut out a lot of like there was some homoeroticism in the actual script that they just completely cut out because mm. they're like, we don't want our character looking gay on TV. No, That's... we wouldn't want that. That doesn't sell. Yeah, no. And it's, so it's like they just kind of skirt around some things. And that's the thing with subs and dubs is dubs take out a lot. They su- they localize the content right. almost. They try and make it accessible to a different audience than it was intended there was, I can't remember what, I think it was JoJo, where you were watching, for some reason, the dub, mm-hmm. but also with English subtitles. Yeah. And they were different. Yeah, no. And it I, blew my mind. I did that specifically with JoJo's Bizarre Adventure because people are always, people I was talking to about it were constantly being like, why on earth would you watch the dub? And I'm like... I don't know. I just haven't seen it with the dub before. And I was watching it with the Japanese subtitles just to see what was different. Mm -hmm. And there was a lot different. Yeah. Just small things like, like it was small things to big things. There were some changes in the way that someone would address another person. And whether it be like, if you took it, the subtitle, it was a bit more like respectful, but the dub was just like, Hey asshole or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. it was just, it was so weird to see that difference. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because I think they would try to match. I mean, it's got to be really it, interesting, like trying to trying to do dubs because you try to match the tone of what the direct translation is and it mm-hmm. won't work. Yeah. And you got to get like the visual won't change. The, yeah. the amount of time you have to say something doesn't really change. Sometimes they get around it by like having someone that's off screen still talking. Yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, and most of the times they localize like very Japanese jokes. Where, like, oh yeah, you know, of course. Because Japanese humor sometimes it's like, hey, look at this thing. Everyone, look at this thing, <laughs> and that just doesn't work for Western audiences. And puns don't work. No, puns don't work the same. And that's that's another reason why I was doing it with JoJo's is because there's a lot of puns, and a lot of them are English puns that they're doing in the Japanese dub that aren't the same in the English dub. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. It depends. I mean, I will default to sub because that's like another thing for me is like I want to see what the original director's intent was. He casted the Japanese cast. Mm -hmm. So that's probably how he envisions the characters sounding. Mm -hmm. Only Miyazaki casts the American cast. Mm -hmm. Like that's just something he has in his deal. Mm -hmm. He gets to be like, no, I want Brad Pitt in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) You're Disney. Work it out. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. Well, since we lost two third or a third of our video, mm-hmm. I almost said two thirds because I thought my camera went out. Uh, is there any other like, last points that you want to make about kind of the connection between Maybe East and Western? Died. 
Because this um, is the bridge to the Miyazaki episode. Yeah. I don't think... <laughs> I need to stop winging these episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, you know, anime, animation, they're all fun. You know, at the end of the day, we're just watching little drawings tell stories. And I okay. think that's, you know... The real, real story is the friends we made along the way. Oh, get the yeah. f*** out of here. <laughs> that was awful. All right. Dumb. Well, shoust we? We shoust. Thanks, everyone, for listening slash watching this episode. Um, I guess probably just listening, because if you're hearing this, this is the audio end plate, not the video one. Um... Andrew Darling, thank you for joining us for this animation discussion. Wow, you're going to Always delightful. <laughs> Always delightful. Um and uh join us next week for our discussion of miyazaki um mostly mostly miyazaki which i need to get cracking i've got like several movies to watch you have one week to do it yeah um yeah so we got that to get through uh that'll that'll be good we're gonna talk about that are you coming back for that one yeah cool good yes um we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, iHeartRadio. Those are the the places where you can listen to this podcast. Um, on any of those mediums, there's probably something where you can like or otherwise show your appreciation. So do that. Uh, you can subscribe or follow or however each of those works. Mm-hmm. Um, leave a comment. If we said something that you disagree with, disagree with it in the comments. If you disagree with that other person's disagreement, disagree with them. We're all about controversy and conflict here. And we're, we just, we want to... We want to we want to start some virtual violence. Okay, I'm down with that. Yeah, come at me, scrubs. Yeah, link to my Instagram below. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we're on YouTube where we have little short video versions of this, mm-hmm. um, which are this little nice, good bite-sized nugget of kind of who we are and what we're about. And we can send you can send those to your friends if they're not sure if they'd appreciate us. Yeah. Um, we're on Facebook where we face the books you're facing the book this week um, i'm facing the book you're facing starting point right you have oh, to face yeah, the book that's true yeah uh no mostly facebook is just like copies of what we post on instagram or twitter so mostly we do instagram at just us losers pod where we have this week we did a cool little picture thing where you can say three people that you would like to invite to your thanksgiving dinner real or fictional check mm-hmm. out our instagram for um our our particular picks for those and let us know how you feel about those. Again, that's at Just Us Losers Pod. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Twitter, where maybe Preston can find a rant about Rob Liefeld to let loose. Maybe, please. <laughs> this is a long outro, dude. I know. It's good. No one's listening at this point. <laughs> Was anyone ever listening? I don't know. At Just Us Losers Pod, uh, we have Gmail Just Us Losers Pod at Gmail dot com. Um, if you want to give us some thoughts about Miyazaki um, or animation or anime in general. Send them there. We'll mm-hmm. we'll take a look. If it's dumb and weebish, what's the adjectival form of weeb? Uh, weebacious. I think weebacious. <laughs> if it's dumb and weebacious, we'll read it out live and poke fun at you. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's well reasoned and respectful, we'll co-opt your points and give you no credit. It's gonna be good. Uh, we have Patreon. Give us money. Oh, we don't. Stop saying Patreon. It is not like it is not established. Okay, it's, we we don't have a Patreon. Give us money, give us money on anyway. Patreon. We don't have a Patreon. Give us a dollar. We will give you nothing in return, but give us a dollar, even a dime. Yeah, I think that's how Patreon works. Give us dimes. Acceptable denominations. Bye. Anyway, done. Thanks for listening. Bye.
Bye. I already said it.